1: Welcome to the Tuesday, September 21st edition of the roto NFL Podcast, week two. It's in the books. I'm Joe Bartle. Alongside me is Jake Latarsky Jake, did you get suffered uh, or did you have to deal with a lot of injuries this week or have you kind of been able to pass through this first big wave?
2: This was a very unique week because I feel like after I did inactives on Sunday morning, I went to uh, sit on the couch to watch the Packers and I think there was a horseshoe right there that I sat right on top of <laughs> because I somehow managed to avoid... A lot of the carnage. I only had one Christian McCaffrey share in 10 drafts for perspective. One Christian McCaffrey, zero Saquon Barkley, zero Cortland Sutton. You know, I already am dealing with a little bit of Kittle and Bell from past weeks, but uh, as far as the real, real big bombs, I, I seem to have avoided that. We're going to knock on wood over here. Um, but nonetheless, there will be some replacement to do and there will always be, uh, Benches that can be made better, and there are plenty of candidates to do so this week.
1: Yeah, I guess my bad luck benefited me. I had 16 drafts, never once got the number one overall pick. Uh, only twice had the number two. In one of those, I actually took Zeke over Barkley anyway. Beautiful. So it's great. Uh, in Dynasty League, I had Michael Thomas and Barkley. We're going to be dealing with that anyway. Uh, I have a lot of A.J. Brown shares. I have a decent amount of George yep. Kittle shares, but... But honestly, Mm -hmm. it feels like everybody is dealing with injuries. And this was from Le'Veon Bell last week, too. A few more of the running backs kind of being uh, uh, question marks as well. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a problem, I think, for most of the year, whether it be due to the lack of the training camp or anything else that you want to talk about. The 49ers can play Mm -hmm. on the turf all they want to. It's just something we're going to have to manage with. It's the downside to having an NFL season. And I'll take the upside of having an NFL season over that.
2: Yeah, you know, I always joke in Stake League, like the league that we do, where the points matter the most. If you want to eat steak, just make sure you buy Ezekiel Elliott and Travis Kelsey at whatever they cost because they're the most consistent, non-injured dudes out there, and then they'll then they'll keep you going here. As I sit here and knock on more wood, but no, but no, that's the way to go. Uh, fortunately, my AJ Brown shares have been balanced out by my Calvin Ridley shares, which is has been amazing. You know, he's got like triple the amount of touchdowns of Julio Jones since he entered the league, so that's wild. Um, but yeah, let's let's get into uh, some Monday Night Football, and then uh, we can get to our waiver wire picks because there are a ton this week. Yeah, this is going to be one of the more important podcasts that we do the entire year we said that about week one as well
1: but Mm -hmm. with all the injuries that are happening i'm sure everyone out there listening is going to have to try to scramble to figure out what to do how to order your waiver wire priorities or try to pick up guys um you know off the auction so we'll get to it i want to talk about the monday night game a little bit first you got to watch all of it i got to watch all of it as well Mm -hmm. uh first takeaway as a packers fan i'm excited yeah as a packers fan there's not a lot to look forward to in wisconsin sports bucks let me down Brewers lost last night. They might be out of the playoffs. But, hey, Packers 2-0, and they're going to face the Saints next week. If Michael Thomas is out, that offense looks completely different. And for those of Mm -hmm. you out there that think Michael Thomas is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL – Monday night game. That was your reinforcement of the opinion because Drew Brees certainly did not look uh, ultra efficient.
2: See, as a Packer fan, I watched that game and I'm actually worried as hell because Kamara looked freaking <laughs> amazing and they cannot stop. I mean, Delvin Cook ate him up. Uh, you know, Carryon Johnson the very first drive had yeah. 40 yards too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they they went down seven nothing in that game. So uh, I mean, Elvin Kamara looked like an absolute stud, yeah. worth every bit of the fourth, fifth, whatever. You know, if, if Ed, Edwards Lair maybe snuck in front of you in a draft, like. Uh, like like our final one, yes. For example, uh, but no, I'm very happy to have Kamara in uh, in that league that I do, and he looks like he's going to be. He could very well finish as the top running back, given the injuries to the top two. It'll be kind of him and Zeke and, and some Delvin Cook neck and neck. I bet.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I was going to say if you're doing DFS lineups for that contest, I mean, Kamara has to be your captain spot for sure. Mm-hmm. Just like I thought, Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones was going to have an Aaron Jones day last week, and mm-hmm. that ended up being true. Kamara for for certain, but I mean that's the only offense the Saints seem to have. We Mm -hmm. had Traquan Smith step up as the guy, and I do it in quote-unquote here, Mm -hmm. um, because he only had four catches for 84 yards. Emmanuel Sanders was nowhere to be found. because
2: His first reception came in the last minute of the game. Sanders
1: is washed up. I've been saying this now for it feels like a year. I don't think people understand that Sanders just isn't very good Mm -hmm. at playing football anymore. That's great, and that's fine. And and the role that he had to do when Michael Thomas was healthy – was that speed threat? That 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 uh, Ted Gid kind, Ted Ginn kind of role. Mm-hmm. And now he can't be asked to do more because he's not just not that very good. Yeah, I mean exactly. that's how it is. So you
2: so you mix a receiver that's starting to be kind of washed up with a quarterback that is pretty much kind of washed up. I forget who tweeted it, but I think uh I, I saw a real funny tweet last night about Drew Brees where like he was ready to retire, pack it up, and then he realized Tom Brady was gonna sneak in and take his job. <laughs> he had a little bit of fear missing out, and then he, he's like, Never mind, never mind, I'm back. You know, when he's mentally ready for the broadcast booth and then he comes back. I wish I could give credit to that. You know, I look through Twitter and, and you see fantastic tweets all the time, but that's one that really really. really stuck out to me um so yeah maybe you know maybe he was half out of it going in but uh i think he'll be he'll be back to some degree once um once uh, Michael Thomas is back. There's just too many weapons, yeah. and at the very least, he'll play that uh, you know that uh, older veteran quarterback, dumping it off to Kamara because is one of the best in the game to do that. Breeze is fine as a quarterback, too, but a lot of times, I have Breeze in two leagues uh, and both of them, I also have Matt Ryan, and it's a Matt Ryan every start from here on out until I have to.
1: Well, yeah, and we know the Packers' defense can be had. I was actually surprised Stafford and company didn't get more junk time production, mm-hmm. uh, especially with the way that game got out of hand after that very long Aaron Jones run to start the second half. Still, I, th- I think the Saints' offense is better than the Lions', and we know Drew Brees can do those f- short dink and dunk four and five yard passes. This isn't Blake Martinez that's getting victimized by Kamara though; it's going to be Christian uh, Christian Kirksey, who I think has played a little bit better. Again, I'm I'm all in on, on Kamara. I think he's going to have a fantastic week. Yeah. But I felt better looking at those wide receivers without Michael Thomas and saying, "Hey, this could be a different situation." You look at the Raiders' side of I things. I was going
2: to say, let's give the Raiders a look. Yeah, bit I mean, right that's here. I they mean, they looked amazing.
1: They were incredible. Derek Carr, especially, he targeted. 11 different receivers of course darren waller got almost all of the work um, you know out of those targets Waller like, got what,
2: 16 targets nobody else had more than three to put that right perspective, but
1: 11 different receivers that's a pretty standout performance from cars a quarterback mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately henry ruggs was not a part of that equation whatsoever i think he had one catch overall mm-hmm. i don't even remember seeing like an interference play that was drawn out of it yep. did they target him on that last throw uh, deep that that got the interference was that Rugs or was that somebody else? Do you yeah, remember? Yeah, uh,
2: yeah, I think it was Rugs. I'm not 100. percent It could have been Edwards. That's that. I mean, Zay Jones was getting red zone targets. Yeah, Nelson mm-hmm. Aguilar had one. He only had, it would surprise me, he only had one target. It was a real nice, uh, I, I, I don't know how to even describe that road where it's almost like a button hook, but then he looks like he's heading for the sidelines and then he sneaks up, sneaks mm. back around. Looked crazy athletic on that, and they didn't use him more, but he really did a great job spreading the ball around, minus Darren Waller, who could be right back. At, he Waller showed that, especially with this kind of volume and you know these kind of ball skills and his ability to get open at all three levels of the field, You know they showed a graphic that had every different defensive position basically covering him and he excelled against all of them he absolutely deserves to be in that uh, Kelsey Kittle's conversation after last week yeah and I,
1: and I think most people were fading him only not because of his opportunity or anything like that just because there was options mm-hmm. cheaper I mean that's kind of yeah. one of the reasons why I ended up going that direction you could get the Tyler Higbees of the world in round 9 10 and 11 and Waller he didn't know if he was able to repeat that I think it's safe to say that's going to happen and We know the Raiders' defense can be had, but it's good to see that the offense can churn together so much production Mm -hmm. really without Josh Jacobs being a standout guy. I I mean, Jacobs looked great. I I continue Mm -hmm. to be amazed with how fast he looks on the field compared to what we saw out of Alabama and even in the combine too. Mm -hmm. I mean, he just
2: looks completely different. Well, And just the physicality, even when he wasn't – 100% healthy you know he came off the field for a little while then he kind of came back for the final drive ended up taking on 27 of the team's 35 carries Uh, you know Jalen Rashard he had that one very costly fumble then made up for it with the touchdown but Jacobs just being physical in the fourth quarter is going to be huge for the Raiders I mean that four minute offense they got the ball with exactly four minutes left and they needed to do something with it and they absolutely did so uh, Jacobs is going to be an excellent fantasy player I remember seeing rumors towards the end of last year that maybe he had like I I don't know if it was a a slight crack bone his hip or his ribs that he was just playing through for the whole time so we know the guy can play through injuries they mentioned on the telecast that uh, you know that with Alabama they always had these giant committees and he never really got overused there and uh, now he has a chance to be the bell cow and it's going to work out for the Raiders it's going to work out for fantasy owners
1: yeah I'm not sure if you're able to trade for Jacobs after last night's game certainly you couldn't after week one he had that monster performance mm-hmm. along with Adams it just wasn't going to happen Bye, high <laughs> but well I just think that there's a guaranteed role for Jacobs and even as a pass catcher too that was a little bit of concern if you were in standard leagues you're drafting jacobs in the first round easy Mm -hmm. in full point ppr it's maybe a bit more of a fade that's clearly not going to be a concern for him moving forward and i think he's a top five top seven fantasy running back the rest of the way especially with the Mm -hmm. offense able to generate as much yards as possible if you only have one guy that does red zone stuff when running the ball well yeah you want to go ahead and get that one guy mm-hmm. it's going to work out for Derek Henry at some point yeah. I think the same is can be said for Josh and Jacobs. Jacobs
2: even missed out uh because uh, on, a, on a much bigger fantasy game because you know they gave him the ball at the goal line and he got stuffed he, he got stuffed a couple times you know he didn't quite get it over and that one that he almost fumbled you know didn't quite punch it in the goal line I'll give the Saints some credit because their defense to Mario Davis just looks like a madman out there they're a good defense and uh they ended up you know rolling out on fourth and and inches and, and tossing it to Darren Waller for the touchdown instead of Jacobs it could have even been a bigger day but he's your he's your unquestioned carry leader your unquestioned red zone carry leader uh you know he's going to end up you know i mentioned that kind of elite tier of running backs he's right there and it's making owners that kind of drafted at the back end of that first round maybe you know that 8 to 12 spot that mm-hmm. you that you liked when we talked about it early in the show those guys are those owners are the, the ones that are Close to the top of the league right now.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I did want to mention Brian Edwards just again one more time. Two uh, two catches for 42 yards. Really, it was only Darren Waller that was the primary target for Derek Carr throughout the game. But there's talent there. And, mm-hmm. and he just looks – when I saw him do that crossing route, the second reception, I got about 21 yards. He looked like A.J. Brown, a smaller A.J. Brown. But he looked like A.J. Brown, being aggressive, being assured with the catch, and being able to make things happen because he's a big body – and able to do big body stuff after. I don't know. I, I, You're not going to be going out there and aggressively picking up uh, Brian Edwards just because he caught two passes for 42 yards. But he looks like a player that could be something in the right scheme. I'm not certain this Raiders offense necessarily is that but he's definitely a player,
2: and I'm I'm convinced of that. Yeah, maybe talk to me next week after the Patriots, but I just can't get that excited about someone who's only targeted twice, uh, especially when there's all these other great options on the wire this right. week.
1: Right, exactly. And let's get to it. I mean, we are the the premier waiver wire podcast, the Roto-Wire Network, right? We're the only ones, so therefore we can be. <laughs> yes, uh, I like it. But there's a lot of different options out there that we're going to have to focus on, whether it be a quarterback, running back, wide receiver, a lot of different plays and pickups you might need to have. Again, for the the focus of this podcast and listeners who have not, participated in in past weeks we really try to target players that are under 50% owned 50 5-0, 50% owned in Yahoo leagues, we try to go a little bit deeper, especially for those two QB formats out there. That seems to be more of a prevail, prevailing league standard.
2: Um, mm-hmm. Superflex getting steam for sure. Yeah. So, I
1: mean, like, Which we, we, we try to add into that.
2: We have My Leagues tools on our website yes. where you import your league and do all this stuff. I just heard uh, today that we added the Superflex option there. So, if you have a Superflex league, go ahead and look on the site, try to re import your league. We got you covered. Awesome. Quick plug. Yeah.
1: So, again, <laughs> under 50% owned for Yahoo leagues. We'll start out with the quarterback position. Uh, we know Drew Locke. to be out for at least multiple weeks. Um, I, I don't know like like Jeff Driscoll was fine um, in his in his performance but there's probably other guys that you can pick up instead if you are mm-hmm. trying to make up for a Drew Locke and again if you're starting Drew Locke it's for sure a two QB league so I think this applies in most scenarios first up probably Ryan Tannehill right? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah he's the first name that you check uh, the availability may not be there he just beat our, our threshold at 46% as of Monday night but there's a lot of things to like about that number one is his week three matchup at Minnesota Minnesota's defense has been torn apart so far by opposing opposing quarterbacks Aaron Rodgers looked like the next year fire MVP against the Vikings they don't really have any cornerbacks anymore. You know their best cornerbacks are gone. Anthony Barr, uh, one of their better linebackers, Torres Pectoral out for the season. Daniel Hunter still on IR, and they've had uh, and Tannehill on his own has had back-to-back weeks with 200 yards and two touchdowns. Not to mention he's the 12th graded quarterback by Pro Football Focus so far. So QB12, you know, right? He's a QB1 by that perspective in your standard 12-team leagues. And it's only going to get better if he hopefully gets A.J. Brown back in the near future. So I think Tannehill needs to be picked up and, and rostered at the very least as your Q- QB2 for the rest of the season.
1: He's definitely a huge streaming option as well for me this week. I guess I'd have to see in relation to other people, but there there might not be – nine other quarterbacks or 11 other quarterbacks I'd rather start against this Vikings defense this week so it'd be tough Mm -hmm. but if you're maybe debating between Ben Roethlisberger uh, who's had some pretty good fantasy outings so far or Ryan Tannehill against this Vikings defense right now I think Mm -hmm. Tannehill easily fits into that conversation
2: yeah yeah no absolutely and then uh, moving down the list the next guy I really like you know, we got to talk about him again, Gardner Minshew, only 32% rostered. He gets a home game against Miami, who made Josh Allen look like, uh, you know, uh, video game numbers for Josh Allen here. Uh, Gardner Minshew on his own has had 20-plus fantasy points and three touchdowns in back-to-back weeks. I expect that while I rank him a little bit below Tannehill because the Minnesota matchup is is just so glorious, I rank him a little bit below Tannehill, but I think Minshew is a guy that should be owned for not only this week and, and maybe moving forward.
1: Yeah, I'm looking through and I'm making sure like the Thursday night game thing, does that does that concern you at all? Uh, Jacksonville plays Miami on Thursday. Ryan mm-hmm. Fitzpatrick kind of looks sneakily good because that's what Fitz, Fitzpatrick has done his entire career last week mm-hmm. against the Bills defense that was supposed to be excellent. I feel like weird things happen on Thursday, and there could be no weirder thing in the year 2020 than two Florida teams playing in a Thursday
2: night game. But does that mm-hmm. b- benefit you, or is that like eh, I'm going to stay away? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, look at e- the Thursday night rule isn't isn't def- it's not a sure cemented rule here. I mean, Cleveland and Cincinnati, two teams that we generally gen- gen- I thought generally that
1: don't actually applied to what I was saying though mm-hmm. that they had crazy offense last Thursday. Yeah,
2: yeah, they yeah they were crazy. And uh, the other thing I would like to mention about uh, Minchu is that DJ Chark is arguably his number one target is he's a limited participant on uh, Monday's injury report he's dealing with a chest injury so something to watch out if he loses his top target maybe that pegs him down on the rankings a little bit you know still behind Tannehill but yeah Minchu makes another appearance here good matchup this week possibly a QB2 rest of season
1: okay so Baker Mayfield under 50 percent owned he uh, faces the Washington franchise this week that's a perfect example if it's Tannehill or Mayfield I'm easily taking Tannehill Tannehill every single time. Like it's it's not even close uh, in the comparison. Are you kind of right there with me on that?
2: Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, there's a reason I listed Baker Mayfield third in this bunch of people, even though uh, he's a little bit more higher roster than those other two guys. Of course, Mayfield looked pretty decent against the against the, uh, the Bengals. He looked. Pretty brutal against the Baltimore Ravens. Um, you're but everyone not, does, right? Every, it's yeah, the Ravens. Exactly. Everybody does. So, uh, you know, maybe a little bit better matchup coming into this week. Uh, but this, the whole thing with this Cleveland offense, their success is going to depend on Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. It's not going to depend on Baker Mayfield slinging it around a little bit. So I think that's going to depress the fantasy numbers a little bit moving forward. He's fine, but you need to be careful with your matchups with May- Mayfield. He might be a QB, two that maybe you plug in on bye weeks and also could sneak onto the drop list if you end up seeing an opportunity for one of these top players.
1: Okay, last guy of the group, Philip Rivers against the Jets. He's 27% owned right now. We saw, uh, what, Mullins do things actually pretty effectively as the backup quarterback for the 49ers this past week against the Jets. Mm-hmm. We know the Jets are one of the worst, if not the worst, franchises in the NFL right now at the, at the moment. Mm-hmm. But we also know that Rivers is Phillip Rivers, which isn't necessarily a great thing yeah. unless you're facing the Vikings' defense.
2: Yeah, this is strange. This is another team that really wants to run the ball first and make Jonathan Taylor, at least it seems, like the primary focus of their offense. But oddly enough, uh, Phillip Rivers, the pro football focus, put some nine out of all quarterbacks in in twenty twenty, which uh you know, there's some short sample size here that probably has a little bit to do with that. Um, so so you know, apparently he's playing all right. At least he's not completely washed. Also, you need to factor in the fact that he lost Paris Campbell for a significant chunk of time. That gives us a chance to talk about some of the other Colts receivers later in the show. But Rivers is the final guy I put in that. Uh, maybe one quarterback league tier before we make the jump to guys that you'd really only consider in, in two-quarterback and super flex formats.
1: All right, can I give you a hypothetical? I, I know this is tough, but I imagine a lot of people are going to be having this conversation. Do you want to start Tom Brady against the Broncos defense? Do you want to start Carson Wentz, who's been very, very bad this year, against the Bengals defense? Or would you rather have Tannehill uh, if he's available and off the waiver wire against the Vikings?
2: Ooh, so... um Brady, ooh, that gets tough because I want right? to look at the yeah. I want to look at the Chris Godwin status there a little bit mm-hmm. too. That might play in, in, into the situation.
1: He's supposed to play. Mm-hmm. It sounds like Bruce Arians gave him the fully clear from the the concussion protocol. Even even Monday, I think he's he's good to go. So long as there isn't anything that creeps up, yeah. but just assume he's out
2: there. Yeah, Brady gets interesting because of course the Broncos down AJ Bouye, they're down Von Miller. They that defense, you know throw a few injuries in there and maybe it's not quite the well, same. Even their as, offense, yeah. right?
1: Drew Locke mm-hmm. too, uh, Cortland yeah, Sutton yeah, exactly. done for the year as well. Mm-hmm. That
2: gets game script out of hand real quick. Yeah. I, I, but I'm does thinking, Brady factor in on that? I, I'm thinking I go Wentz Tannehill-Brady as the 1-2-3 because Wentz seems to have a little bit of Jameson in this year where he's going to turn the ball over and possibly uh, you know, and come back. And I know it wasn't necessarily great. He didn't throw any touchdowns. He turned the ball over a couple times but he, get the, he gets the Bengals which could be the exact you know the the medicine that he needs. To they get have back no on pass track.
1: rush. They have no pass rush, and we mm-hmm. saw it on Thursday night. Um, Baker Mayfield, if he was moving out of the pocket, it wasn't because anyone was pressuring him; it's just because that was design play. Mm-hmm. I think I want Tannehill first out of that group. Over once yeah. you can you I mean really it is it feels like a coin flip. I think once is going to be fine enough. Where if you have to start him against the Bengals, it's okay. Mm-hmm. But if Tannehill is available in over fifty percent of the leagues. I I think he got a role against yeah. what
2: we're seeing with this Vikings defense, which just mm-hmm. looks bad and only got worse with those injuries you mentioned. Yeah, the decision absolutely gets really interesting. Uh, but, you know, I factor in that Miles Sanders will be back for a second week. You know, we're starting to see a little bit more Jalen Rigor involved. He won't have to depend on as many Deshaun Jackson air yards. He's still got that two tight end system that's there. I think that there's a. If anything, I'd almost consider buying low on Wentz a little bit if you're hurting that quarterback. But yeah, I'll uh,
1: gladly trade him. I have a few of them. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm, exactly. I'm fine this week, but mm-hmm. I don't know that offensive line and the way the Eagles have looked these past two weeks mm-hmm. against teams that we we knew were okay, but not not like world beaters right now mm-hmm. they've made the eagles look really bad so i can see where people are going to be like oh i don't know if i could start carson Wentz if Tannehill's available i'm going that direction mm-hmm. i would rather have wentz over baker mayfield i would rather have wentz over philip rivers too oh, yeah. do you, you feel that way as well mm-hmm. okay i want to just make sure um let's get to the two qbs i talked about a little bit earlier drew lock at least set to miss the next two weeks. He's going to go against against your Buccaneers defense. Uh, Jeff Driscoll now next up for Denver. I think Mario had tweeted this out probably back in March, and it was very clear and obvious that the Broncos were trying to make Drew Locke uh, the starting quarterback that was going to be a thing, and therefore they weren't going to sign a Cam Newton. It sure looks bad now with how how Cam Newton has played thus mm-hmm. far. But you wanted to give confidence and make that second round pick look better. As a result, you now have Jeff Driscoll as the backup. And mm-hmm. I mean, Driscoll, to his credit, did okay. He's a very mobile option. There are worse players to go after in a two QB league with his mobility. I think.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's fair enough. He he gets in there, but it, you have to keep in mind it's probably a short term add necessarily not only because drew lock gets his job when he comes back also remember they signed blake bortles maybe he'll compete a little bit you know who knows maybe Blake Bortles isn't completely washed he's got plenty of experience more experience than a guy like Driscoll um Driscoll's fine he started finding Noah Fant more than more than Locke was later on when the game came in I know Fant got off to a little bit of a slow start the offense of course took another big hit with Cortland Sutton so you have to rely on a rookie in Jerry Judy to be kind of your main go-to receiver there maybe he's not quite ready for that yet but uh you know they've got Melvin Gordon, so some kind of fair amount of running game, I don't know, the weapons are there I don't, I'm not crazy about it, I'm more likely to try and, and target the Tampa defense in this situation, but Driscoll is capable enough, you know, so he he deserves a mention here, but I'd be keeping expectations in check a little bit.
1: I'll take Driscoll over Nick Mullins, who seems slated to start for Jimmy Garoppolo. Yep. Garoppolo more than likely isn't going to play in the second rendition of the Niners in the Meadowlands. Uh, of course, they had a number of injuries, and they're blaming the turf for a part of that. Okay, fine. Um, I, it's not even that Nick Mullins is that bad. I mean, we saw, uh, we saw Nick Mullins... Do pretty good against the Jets, mm-hmm. who are basically a second tier organization right now yeah. in the NFL. I just don't know what the pass catchers that the 49ers currently have. They're going to be out most, hurt, more than likely. Tevin Coleman is set to miss mm-hmm. multiple weeks as well. It is just Jarek yeah. McKinnon, possibly Jordan Reed, maybe George Kittle comes mm-hmm. factoring in. Yeah. I don't I know. Remember, like I just
2: I don't want to go there. In, in the past, when Mullins, you know, had to start those late year games, he had some a lot of success finding Kittle, and that's really when Kittle was starting to he break. Blossomed, out a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and some of that was with Mullins at quarterback. So getting Kittle back would be a big uh, a big help for Mullins. I'd still, rate, I, I agree though. Driscoll goes above uh, above Mullins for sure, um, and then you got to. Justin Herbert he sneaks in he sneaks in there I mean Tyrod Taylor had that chest injury uh, you know from what I saw they tried to do an injection for an injury it didn't quite go right um and then you know and then Herbert found out what you know a couple minutes before, before, before kick off yeah. yeah that that he's uh, that he's the guy and man he he surprised he me like crazy. crazy he looked excellent and it which, which it's just so crazy that Anthony Anthony Lynn won't commit to him at this point I mean Tyrod Taylor is your guy that you just kind of float out there you know, We saw the same thing with Baker Mayfield in Cleveland when, when Tyrod Taylor was there. He's the guy that just floats out there and survives a couple of weeks until your rookie's ready. Looks like your rookie's ready here, so uh, what are we waiting for here?
1: Yeah, if the decision by Anthony Lynn is that, hey, we named Tyrod Taylor our starting quarterback for a reason, okay, and I also understand maybe it's from a locker room perspective that you don't want to have a guy lose his job due to an injury, especially what kind of feels like a fluky injury. I mean, it's not very mm-hmm. often that the starting quarterback of an NFL team – only moments before kickoff gets taken out, and he, I mean he had trouble breathing, he had to go to the hospital. It sounds more than likely that Taylor is coming back to play. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think Herbert starts this week. I don't think so. And, and if Taylor is healthy, he's out there. But if the, if the, I was going to say if the Chargers often struggles against the Panthers and that defense. It might not be time, another yeah. week before Herbert is out there. I mean, he did this against the reigning NFL champions, threw for over 300 yards, ran for a touchdown. He threw a costly pick, and that's kind of the reason why the Chargers lost that game. But you'll take the good that happened. There was, I, I was very impressed with how confident and how easy it looked to hit Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry over mm-hmm. the middle. And I know the Chiefs' defense isn't exactly special. But he just looked confident and comfortable, and that's mm-hmm. what I would not have expected and, for a guy that was going to. And knocked willing to
2: take a hit too. I mean, he was he was really uh, he was initiating contact in some of those situations, which uh, you don't always see from a rookie quarterback. But I feel like the plan all along is to have Herbert take over. You know, whether it was midseason, you know, whether they I, I don't know if they wanted to necessarily sit him for an entire year, and it was to wait till he's ready. And, and just it, to me, he looks. He looks ready enough if he's able to hang with a team such as the Chiefs this long. And uh,
1: yeah. I, well, I, I wrote about it on the RotoWire site the next level of the Herbert progression is getting Mike Williams more involved. He only had four targets. Mm-hmm. He caught two of them. That was the big upgrade. Like if you if you you're drafting Mike Williams, you are drafting so, hoping Taylor gets benched sooner rather than later because there's going to be more of a deep threat at, at, like a, mm-hmm. added to the dimension that is Mike Williams. Yeah. Taylor actually targeted Williams more than Herbert mm-hmm. did. So maybe there is just a get, let's get Herbert comfortable yeah. intermediate throws, which is Allen and Henry special. Exactly. But that's gonna be a different level. Yeah, it's just I, it's gonna a matter of time. I
2: agree Taylor with you. Taylor does nothing for the progression of your organization, right? Yeah, you no, know, I and, agree. And Herbert does. You know, Taylor's capable enough of maybe taking this team to five hundred, but where does that really get you in this situation? And and then and then the coach kind of throwing Herbert under the bus a little bit too. Like Yeah, uh, that, I found that a little bit strange, but uh basically okay, so to bring this kind of back to fantasy talk, if you're in a two quarterback or super flex league, and you need someone to start this week. It goes it goes Driscoll, Mullins, Herbert. Mm-hmm. But if you have your two guys and are looking for a third guy, then Herbert's number one on that list. I,
1: I absolutely agree.
2: And, and Herbert might even be a higher... A higher pickup than, let's say,
1: Phillip Rivers, for example. Rivers, again, has a good matchup against the Jets this week. Schedule the rest of the ways a little bit iffy. I think the AFC South division is pretty good. I think Herbert gives you a higher upside play if you're really trying to play out for the bye weeks mm-hmm. uh, down the road because he looked awfully good in a, in a spot start in the truest of sense against the Chiefs. So let's move on to the running backs. I'm sure that's what most people are looking forward to listening to or not, if you are a Saquon Barkley owner out there. Or, hey, if you just owned a top-two pick in most fantasy leagues – you're probably not excited to listen to this podcast because you're swimming right now. Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley. Barkley's going to be out the entire season. Torn ACL. McCaffrey has the high ankle sprain. At least four to six weeks. It could possibly mm-hmm. be more than that. You're going to be having to find a spot starts at the running back spot now, and you were hoping not to when you draft number one or two overall. Uh, I don't feel bad for you because I have no luck whatsoever. But you know, I can get it uh, a little bit because it's a, it's a tough way to figure out your fantasy football season with both mm-hmm. those guys gone
2: yeah yeah it's just brutal and i think we should start with saquon barkley uh because there's a lot of moving parts here uh necessarily Dion lewis of course is the first guy that comes to mind he's only six percent rostered in yahoo leagues he was the only back to get carries after barkley went out he had 10 of them and the only back to see snaps after barkley's exit. at 57 we've been down the wayne gallman road before he's been kind of you know I remember doing this waiver wire podcast. Yeah, Yeah, last year when Barkley had to miss that stretch with with what I think was a high ankle sprain, something similar to what McCaffrey's dealing with now. Uh, You know, Gallman got a lot of the waiver wire hype, but he just, you know, and he got a decent amount of the carries. It
1: was the the one game, it was that very first Mm -hmm. week. And then after that, he just completely self combusted. It
2: It just didn't uh, translate to production. So, all right, so Deion Lewis would be the logical, obvious choice, right? However, you know, I wanted to check right before uh, we started this segment. Um, you know, the news was 44 minutes ago from Mike Garofalo, but he went on NFL Network and he said that the expectation is that Devonta Freeman will sign with the Giants, provided all goes well with his COVID testing. So it sounds like Freeman just has to pass a COVID test and then we'll be okay, which makes things. Uh, Makes things very very interesting here. Devontae Freeman, you know, after those first couple of weeks, he's only fifteen percent rostered I was in Yahoo say, yeah. What's his number? Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: that's that's tough. I mean, there's a lot of guys. So we have Christian McCaffrey. So Mike Davis, when we are talk about him a little bit, steps up. We have Jerick McKinnon now for sure as a one week replacement with Tevin Coleman, Raheem Mostert out. Um, we have probably Daryl Henderson who looked fantastic um, with with Cam Akers out of the picture as well. There's a number of running backs to pick up when you are thinking short term. I'm not sure Devonta Freeman fits into that factor. When you are thinking the rest of the season, is
2: Freeman the top pickup for you out of this crew? Yeah, you know, this is this is tough because I'm on the spot here. I didn't really have time to think out this argument or anything before the show. I'm looking at this. Yeah, I'm that sorry. It, that's my fault. Now, now that it's becoming <laughs> uh, the thing. But, you know, I, the more and more I see this, I'm thinking that uh, this could absolutely, uh, you know, be a favorable situation for him uh you know Deion lewis will be in the mix especially week one you know if you need a week three pickup i don't think freeman's going to be your immediate answer because okay let's say he you have to do waivers tonight you're waiting on his COVID covet test let's right. just say best case scenario he passes the COVID test he's with the team uh you know on wednesday got a few days to practice beforehand but you know, it'll be kind of to me like Leonard Fournette in week one. Mm-hmm. In week two, Leonard Fournette, of course, he got a lot of the carries towards the end and they leaned on him heavy to close the game out. In week one, he was just getting his toes wet, right? So if you need a week three pickup, you know, maybe Devontae Freeman isn't number one on the going list Going against here. the Niners this week, yes, right? going I mean, against That's the Nin- another thing, I mean, the, the Niners were hit hard by injuries, right? So we can't quite frame the Niners defense matchup wise in the same way that they were without uh you know without Bosa, Bosa without Thomas, Thomas. Yeah. yeah. So um, they're there. But you know, coming up at the Rams, uh, at the Cowboys, uh, Washington football team, you know, it's not like it's murderous row here that he's going to That's for. what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I
1: think you're. I think people are gonna get excited about Freeman because they remember what he did with the Falcons and, and rightfully so. I, I do believe he's a really talented back. There is a reason though that teams haven't signed him. And and maybe just because we're not involved in it or we don't know his injury history or there's some personal aspect on the outside, the, Freeman is too talented of a player, we think, to not have a job until September 21st in a season where... Depth is the most important thing. You could sign veterans to practice squad contact, uh, contracts and bring them up at any yeah, point.
2: But, uh, so here's the thing: Freeman was never going to take a practice squad contract. I think part of the reason he went unsigned uh, not necessarily because there were red flags, but because he is looking for situations where he could actually come in and get carries and Profitable, be a meaningful yeah, yeah, and be a meaningful contributor contributor. Because he's 28 years old. I know uh, you know running backs typically looking for big extensions at this age. It isn't going to happen. But he needs a place where he can come in and show. This year, and then maybe get one like two year, $15 million contract out of that, or something along the lines after that. And this is a place where it could absolutely work. They bring absolutely. him on for a one year deal. You know, 28 years old, he averaged a career low 3.6 yards per carry. Uh, only his rookie year was in the ballpark. Otherwise, he's averaged four per carry every single year uh, with the Falcons. 108 uh, only scored twice last year. But he did have three rushes of a hundred of twenty plus yards in one hundred eighty four carries, so you know, kind of right on pace with his career averages in uh, those departments. You know, lost a handful of fumbles, but those are a little bit fluky. Uh, the receptions in twenty nineteen were right on par, fifty nine for four hundred ten yards, and a career high four receiving touchdowns. So it's not like he was falling completely off the rag- wagon here. Twenty eighteen was the year Freeman got hurt, and then he was back. You know, for fourteen games in twenty nineteen. So I think that he's the guy. That gives you the best season-long utility. Now I have to stretch my brain here again. Didn't didn't really prepare for this, but what kind of fab bid do you throw out on him? How much is this gonna? Well, here I'll I'll
1: answer it because I think we need to have the conversation about Mike Davis and also Jarek McKinnon. Fair enough. I I really don't think that this can be something that you're answered just by looking at one single player, mm-hmm. especially this week. So Christian McCaffrey again, uh, high ankle sprain, at least four to six weeks. The Panthers don't look like one of the best teams in the NFL. They're not as bad as the Jets. I can say that right now, but they're still not going to be great. So do you really want to have your – I don't even know how much to sign them for. It's escaping me right now. But certainly the high-profile running back, do you want to bring them back in a situation where more more likely than not, you're not winning games anyway? Um, I don't think uh, McCaffrey out makes your opinion less on Teddy Bridgewater as a quarterback. So you don't really need to have that defined asset as well. I just think that there's going to be Mike Davis time for a lot of opportunities. Uh, Reggie Bonifant, who was their backup last year when McCaffrey got Herc, uh, was a practice squad guy. I'm sure he'll get caught up as well. We also saw Curtis Samuel get some carries, which is interesting to me as a guy that has Samuel in the mm-hmm. Dynasty League, but I don't think it's really actionable for uh, this pickup perspective. Mm-hmm. Davis is the guy. And unless they decide to go after Devonta Freeman too, which would be weird to me, I think Davis will be the guy for – the intermediate as well.
2: Yeah, no, I think we can pretty much rule out Freeman going to, to Carolina because again, Freeman wants to be featured, right? And Christian McCaffrey will come back. Also, Freeman wants to go on uh, maybe not a competitive team because the Giants aren't necessarily that either. But I, I don't know.
1: I, I, I just think actually Giants, Freeman Freeman could could look better in the Panther system if you want to. But you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think McCaffrey yeah, is very. Catching. Yeah, I just think that you can highlight Freeman's skill set better in the Panthers' Mm -hmm. offense. It doesn't matter. Mike Davis is the guy. 6% owned right now on Yahoo. Uh, He got like, what was it, seven or eight targets when McCaffrey went out. So it's very clear that the system still revolves around passing to that running back spot. I wouldn't imagine it changes at all with a week of preparation either. The difference is that the Chargers defense, who, again, they're playing this week, they're pretty good against the running backs. Clyde Edwards Lair was shut down. Uh, Joe Mixon was shut down as well in week two, or week one, I should say. Mm -hmm. So you might not get a lot of run out of Mike Davis this week, but you're going to have him for at least a month. And mm-hmm. likely the starter for a month as well, which yeah. matters to me.
2: I mean, you got Arizona after that, twenty sixth against the run. Atlanta after that, twenty third against the run. The Bears after that, fourteen. And then that's when you start to think about maybe is Christian McCaffrey going to come back? You know, before New Orleans and, and Atlanta again. So yeah, Mike Davis definitely. I mean, the eight targets and eight receptions. You know, one hundred percent catch rate there, seventy four yards. So he only carried the ball once. So it's tough to know what what we can get out of him. Mike Davis, the last time he was meaningfully featured was 2018 with Seattle he carried the ball 112 times for 514 yards and four scores of 4.6 yards per carry a couple of long runs in there he was also targeted 42 times caught 34 of those bingo bingo yeah exactly and this is perfect for uh, Carolina i think he needs to be he's he's the only guy up there that i think um that i think will rival the freeman bid here when we when we get down to it because uh again taking the especially if you're a McCaffrey owner I, or I have McCaffrey in our, in our Vegas league and I need you know I'm, I'm already starting Frank Gore because I had Le'Veon Bell right yeah. I, I'm not going to really expect McCaffrey production but I think Mike Davis in both DFS and short term fantasy uh, are going to be huge uh, this week.
1: Third option then out of this group Jarek McKinnon now he's 24% owned was a oh, it's a big target of a few of our RotoWire guys Jim Coventry was in love with Jarek McKinnon loved him at his price in that 14th or 15th round range Chris Liss also was all for Jarek McKinnon too and and it looks like it was the right call because even when Mostert and Coleman were healthy I put that in quotes McKinnon was still being featured he caught a touchdown in week one mm-hmm. uh, was again I think got some production again this past week as well although it was kind of blow up production Raheem Mostert sprained his MCL more than likely again is going to be out for week three if not longer I have to imagine I'm not an NFL athlete but if I sprain my MCL I'm probably mm-hmm. not playing in the next week especially when you relies so much
2: on his explosivity his speed right
1: yeah and then tevin coleman is in that generic category of missing a couple of weeks with a knee injury which is mm-hmm. kind of how i would describe off tevin coleman's career at this point so mckinnon's the guy we know jeff wilson is round huge touchdown vulture for the 49ers offense we also know that they're gonna have a backup quarterback in there more than likely this week against the mm-hmm. giants although it is the giants so I think this becomes a game script issue. If you believe that the the Niners are going to blow out the, the Giants, even with a backup quarterback, then McKinnon should be a guy you're targeting because McKinnon is the one that's going to factor in on the blowout. Jeff Wilson mm-hmm. might score or get some touchdown production, but McKinnon's getting at least 100-plus yards in that yeah. scenario.
2: McKinnon should be your low, lower-dollar backup bid to a guy like Davis, even for the one-week thing. Because I look at... Who else Carolina has the only other active running back right now? I assume they'll sign someone from the practice squad. Um, I don't believe they put McCaffrey uh, on IR yet. Jim Michael Hasty, guy from Oregon, he should be um, the, the 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 backup yeah. for sure. And Trenton Cannon is the only other one on the active roster for Mike Davis right now. Oh, We're, I was talking about the Niners. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, she's, that's my fault. Uh, my so fault. I, I was looking at the Carolina offense. They'll sign it's someone Reggie off Bonifin, the practice. Reggie Bonifin. Bonifin off the practice squad. Trenton Cannon's there. Um, you know, compare that in in San Francisco where he's got you know known vulture Jeff Wilson, and I think that at least one of those. Backs will be back before McCaffrey is back, right? So you have you have comparable, you know, short term. That's a good point, and a little comparable long term. But I think Carolina is still more favorable. Because that high ankle sprain, you know, Mike Thomas says he's going to play through it. Yeah, right, Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> I'm going to beat that and come back in three weeks. Okay, good luck. You know, the, the human body is only physically capable of so much, even at the top tier level. I don't level think the Panthers want McCaffrey to come back mm-hmm. at that level either. Yeah, why bring him back and have him roll it again? You know, they, just there's so many bad effects. That's part of the reason that the Saints are being smart and holding Thomas out. But anyway... So, yeah, McKinnon is a guy that you back your your Mike Davis bid up with in case someone decides, okay, I'm going to spend $45 on Mike Davis this week. McKinnon is a guy you back him up with, but he should still be ranked behind Davis in your fab.
1: Yeah, I'm all for McKinnon in DFS this week. If you're going to be going ahead and playing uh, Camaro, like you should be, I don't know if they incorporate the Sunday night slates. Maybe it's a Sunday night, Sunday money thing. Anyway, I think I think McKinnon is is a great DFS play, even with the concern about Jeff Wilson. If you believe the 49ers are going to be running through them, if not, um, I don't know. It's 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 tough. What, I don't know what Kevin Payne had. Kevin Payne does our, our waiver wire breakdown article and certainly had plenty of ink that he was spilling on the page this week with all the different injuries, mm-hmm. but to me, when we were looking at Devonta Freeman, probably Deion Lewis too, when we we're looking at Mike Davis and Jarek McKinnon, I'm putting a 30 to 40% bid on both of those guys, Devonta Freeman and Mike Davis, mm-hmm. hoping I'm getting one of them. If I get both, that's okay. I think this might be the one opportunity where, if I'm spending 70, 80% of my budget and getting two guys that are starting the rest of the season, there are no guarantees on starters yep. being available down the road. Sure, they, they tend to prop up or cop up, uh, crop up. I think I'm, I'm comfortable going that direction for both those guys and fine if I get both Devonta Freeman and Mike Davis
2: mm-hmm. yeah absolutely so Payne you know not to give away the whole secret sauce but he has Davis number one with 15 to $25 and then we're looking at uh, guys like Freeman at 10 to $20 uh, Lewis 8 to 12 and there's one guy that he's got ranked ahead of Freeman even uh, which becomes very very interesting and is related to our Justin Herbert discussion that's Joshua Kelly he's oh. only rostered in 39% of leagues and uh, I could see that going up I mean he had 113 yards from scrimmage and any out touched Austin Eckler, um, so I could see this. Uh, yeah, you know- that's
1: an interesting. That's an interesting name as well. And of course, I do the Chargers mm-hmm. stuff on the RotoWire site, so I've been kind of familiar with this. The Chargers. I mean, like I had the sniff out on it, right. I, I knew right away that this was not going to be Austin Eckler gets all the work. They were going to make somebody be Melvin Gordon to Austin Eckler. Mm-hmm. The, the Chargers were obvious about it. The part that was concerning to me was was Kelly going to be productive. And he has. He's looked really fluid with his carries. Mm-hmm. I actually thought after his week one performance uh, and with people's concerns about Austin Eckler and his stature and everything else, I thought, honestly, Kelly was going to be rostered to more than 50% of leagues. He needs to be a top waiver wire pickup for a lot of mm-hmm. people. If even in a 10-team format, he yep. should be your running back four pretty easily.
2: Yeah, I, I still think that I'd rather have Devonte Freeman. I don't know if I, I might I might split on that. I might put Freeman up at number two, but um, especially if you have the luxury of waiting uh, waiting till say Wednesday night for your waivers and to see if uh, everything goes through with Freeman, then I'd feel better about it. If you got to do him tonight, then it gets to be a little tricky. Uh, and maybe you take yeah. the guy that's signed. Uh, so so something something to think about there here. Um, but there's more running backs yeah, here. Still more, more. There's more that factor into the list. And the guy <laughs> that uh you know, because it is election season, I'll go ahead and flip-flop after we were talking about Malcolm Brown last week. Uh Daryl Henderson from the Rams. I mean, we got Cam Akers. He exited with the ribs game. We'll have to monitor him in practice. Daryl Henderson's thirty-three percent rostered. Suddenly He saw 12 carries to Browns, nine 6.8 yards per carry to Browns 4.3 and Henderson scored the only touchdown. He was also the only running back to get targets in the passing game. I suspect this whole thing will be a little bit fluid all year. And then I found that Malcolm Brown had that pinky injury that required a quick surgery, but apparently doesn't mean he's going to miss a lot of time. I don't know what happens if he fumbles the ball once, you know, I can't, I can't imagine that having a, a broken finger helps that ball security at all. Um, and Henderson is a guy that has been hyped up in the past. He was a pretty high draft pick, someone we maybe thought the Rams would use more in the past. So here's a guy with a sneaky amount of upside that might get overlooked this week with all these other hot names. The only issue is who are you dropping
1: from your team to pick up some of these guys? I don't mm-hmm. know. Like if I, I drafted Devin Duvernay everywhere, uh, or Duvernay, I should say, everywhere in my leagues that were super deep because I think he's a really mm-hmm. talented guy. He's not getting involved in the offense right now. In more often than not, those situations, those deep leagues, you already have a Henderson rostered. You already probably have a Jarek McKinnon Mm -hmm. rostered as well. I don't know about Mike Davis and and probably not Deion Lewis as well, but those guys are already there. So, like, can you pick up uh, a Frank Gore and make him work? Can you pick up... Miles Gaskins, who we mm-hmm. we refused to talk about last week, uh, despite well, we had to mention him a little bit. I was credited to Jerry who who is all out on that and yeah. does his his hidden stats articles, which really were basically Miles Gaskins hype articles at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's another guy that's under twenty percent owned in Yahoo. That could factor in. Yeah. I there's just not a lot of guys. Like you have A.J. Dillon a lot. Like he's yep. probably a guy that you drop, mm-hmm. right?
2: Yeah, looking through my drop list right now, I mean, uh, in a fourteen teamer, I'm probably gonna let AJ Dillon go go. The role doesn't seem to be you know, I you take him as my last very pick as a flyer, right. you know. So someone like that is gone. Um, you know, I was silly enough to spend probably too much fab on Benny Snell last week in a league where
0: well, I mean I owned, we all thought Connor yeah, was gonna
2: be out. Yeah, I own I, I have Connor on my team and uh you know, obviously he came right back. And suddenly Benny Snell uh misses a block early on, gets benched pretty much all the way into the fourth quarter where he then fumbles the football and Connor dominates all the touches. Well you know, I can't look at the 21 dollars that I spent on Fab on him and, and you know, it's a sunk cost. I got I gotta part ways, you know. See you, Benny Snell. What do you think about Naeem Hines? Was this a flash in the, was this week a little bit fluky or does he get more involved moving forward? Because this was the Jonathan Taylor show. I
1: mean, we're gonna get to it with Paris Campbell when we talk about the wide receivers. I think they're gonna have to have that production end up being somewhere. And mm-hmm. Hines, while I still don't believe he's that great of a runner, I do believe he's very talented as a wide receiver, and Frank Wright can scheme some things to get Hines involved, even if you don't have to have the designation as the guy out of the backfield. So Phillip Rivers we know can't throw more than 20 yards down the field. Hines has to be more of a factor. I'm not dropping him yet, but how about a different pass catching guy like LaShawn McCoy? Yeah, I We can saw see him. Ronald Jones uh, do things week one for net week two. McCoy got five catches mm-hmm. for 26 yards. Should have had a better day Yep. But when we're talking about um, a, a Devonta Freeman, a Mike Davis, a Jarek McKinnon, a Frank Gore, uh, Daryl Henderson, certainly Miles Gaskin. Like yeah. they all have more defined upside, exactly. And there I isn't mean,
2: one from McCoy. in Tampa Bay. Ronald Jones is the starter, and Leonard Fournette's going to be the closer. and LaShawn McCoy is going to be maybe a change of pace, you know, in between. So, if it weren't for his name, you'd think of McCoy the same way you'd think of like a Darwin Thompson or something from Kansas City. I'm just say Giovanni Bernard, yeah. It just doesn't necessarily need to be rostered. Well, Bernard has a little bit more of a, a role because uh, he did see almost half the snaps, right. and of course, there's value as you know, uh, uh, the uh, backup, we right? Uh, we can't really say the eight. A- h-word anymore um, yeah the backup yeah to the joe backup mixon. to joe mixon uh so there's there's value in that sense but you know what with hymns like if you're in a shallower league 10 or 12 teams like do you dr- would you drop Hines to get mike davis or Devontae freeman uh do that's, i do i do i need line. help that's that, the hind line the
1: Heinz right. line you know, like, <laughs> I mean, like if you have Barkley, this is an easy choice. You can just drop Barkley. If you have yeah. McCaffrey, more than likely yeah. you'll be able to put him on some sort of injured reserve. Hopefully your mm-hmm. leagues, you mm-hmm. listen to our podcast yeah. at the start of August and you had your league set up to do that. But if you're debating between uh, David Johnson as your one starter and maybe you have Austin Eckler as a second starter and you found a Ronald Jones in the seventh round, like it gets to be hard with the roster construction. You have to understand what you have. Starting guys are a premium right now. Even Mm -hmm. if it's for a week, two weeks, three weeks, having a starting running back means your opponent does not, and I think that has to be a crucial factor in your roster construction as yeah. well. Send send Twitter questions to us. This is, mm-hmm. I mean, JB fancy Sports, Roto Jake. We're going to be going over this because I think it's going to be a crucial mm-hmm. aspect for a lot of people. My following first week two. my
2: first Fab runs tonight, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make a my. This is going to be the longest Fab list I do all year. It's going to have eight guys yep. for one player dropped, and then seven guys for a second player dropped. These are going to be long, intricate, intricate lists here for me. Uh, there's going to be a lot of action going on tonight so and even in the i have a four, i'm in a 14 team league where it's the one that we're in together i don't know man Hines might be available for you in a couple of days we'll see
1: yeah I, we we will certainly see do you feel like we've covered the running backs i don't like i, I hate it people are gonna be listening mm-hmm. what do i gotta do with these we didn't really answer any questions but i'm trying to give you as much information <laughs> yeah. as possible because well, right now it's hard with your roster construction
2: yeah. i mean i think we we established that uh you know that that mike davis is probably the number one Freeman is your best long-term option if you can survive this week. Like if you have your two running backs started starting this week, they're set and you're replacing a bench option, then maybe Freeman is your uh, is your top bid this week. And then kind of going down the list, we look at McKinnon and we look at Daryl Henderson and Miles Gaskin, but you know Miles Gaskin, forty-nine snaps compared to sixteen for Breida and eight for Howard. Still a frustrating committee er, committee for me there because the carry numbers were a lot tighter than the snap tie- numbers. And Miami, I just I don't think is very good, and they're not going to be in positions to run out games. So like Miles Gaskin's in the mix, he should be rostered in your twelve teamers over some of those kind of guys that we mentioned. Or you know if you if you don't win your Fab bids and are still hanging on to Barkley, you might as well get somebody. Go ahead and grab Gaskin, see what happens. Um, and then, kind of, yeah, that kind of goes down the list. I mean, Frank Gore still out there, short term for a dumpster fire of a team, and you know that's. And, and then Josh Kelly, Josh Kelly works in the mix too. So uh,
1: Kelly's higher than Henderson, mm-hmm. and Henderson is higher than Gaskin. So yep. that's kind of my my line of demarcation. Kelly's mm-hmm. higher than Henderson. Henderson is higher than Gaskin.
2: Yeah. Um, so and- loosely, one more time for the people at home: Davis, Freeman. Um, what do we got here? McKinnon. McKinnon. Yep. Henderson, or not no, Kelly. Kelly. I have Kelly. Kelly. I mean, you can do Kelly, whatever you want. <laughs> Kelly, then, okay, we'll just, we'll just agree for the sake this time. Kelly, Henderson, Gaskin, Gore? Gore. Yep. All right.
1: If you have to go down to Frank Gore, uh, you know, you might as well just mm-hmm. hit the exit button yeah. and just figure it out. Exactly. Day.
2: And your top guy is <laughs> 25 to 35, and your bottom guy is 2 to 4. That's pretty much how we can start that out, right? I think that's the yeah. most actionable advice we can give when it comes to running backs.
1: I agree. I agree. Um, we'll move over to the wide receivers and tight ends. I wish that they weren't as uh, bountiful, but this is just a, a crazy week, too. So we'll get to them in just a little bit. I want to get a word from our sponsors, Prediction Strike. Prediction Strike is a fantasy sports stock market on which you can buy and sell shares of prof- professional athletes as if they're stocks. Ever heard someone say, I've had stock in this player since day one, like a Patrick Mahomes, for example? You knew that would happen? Well, now it's a reality. You can create a, prof- uh, a portfolio of all your favorite athletes, and get closer to the game than ever before. To get started, simply visit predictionstrike.com to create an account, then deposit funds to buy, sell, and hold shares of your favorite players just like you would with real stock. Each game is like an earnings report. If the player beats his prediction, his stock moves up. It's just that easy. You can trade your shares of players at any time as long as that player isn't currently in the game. You can get started today by visiting predictionstrike.com and sign up for a code initial to, to get an additional $10 with your first deposit or more. Again, that's predictionstrike.com. Use promo code ROTOWIRE to get you that additional $10 with your first deposit of $20 or more. All right, so waiver wire top pickup number one at the wide receiver spot, or really just in total was Paris Campbell last week. Mm -hmm. Now he's going to be down for some time. Uh, MCL, PCL injuries... He got carted off, or is he done for the season, or just multiple? It weeks? It
2: looks like he hasn't been ruled out for the season yet, but I'm willing to bet a multi-week absence. This for kind sure. of thing, yeah. This kind of thing, you don't just snap back from necessarily here. And it's funny because last week we were thinking, okay, well, Michael Pittman's maybe not having the role that we were going <laughs> to exactly. that we were going to see, and a lot of people drafted him to hold him, and and then had to make some tough decisions. Now, of course, you know, election year, of course, we're going to flip flop here a little bit. But in all fairness, right? I think this one's fine. I, yeah, I, this one is passable. In all fairness, fantasy football to me, it's 50% skill and 50% opportunity, and it's almost a dead even split like that. Last week, Campbell, you know, maybe ranks like 35 out of 50 skill points and 50 out of 50 opportunity points because he was getting the targets, you know, rivaling T.Y. Hilton, even passing him. Now, this week, obviously, Michael Pittman, who I rank closer to 50 in the skill but uh didn't quite have the opportunity before he was like 5 in the opportunity suddenly he shoots up and he takes all of Campbell's opportunity points and he's Michael Pittman is a guy that I believe in from the very beginning you know I love his uh, his physicality his body type all of that stuff is NFL ready here it's a matter and I thought with Rivers he Michael Pittman would kind of be the Mike Williams-type role like that, Um, and and, and that would be more his floor than his ceiling. I like Pittman's uh, athleticism. Watch his USC highlight tapes. The guy was insane. He tied Alley Cox with a team-high six targets, ended up only catching four for 37, uh, but have to remember that Rivers only threw the ball 25 times due to game flow compared to 40 running plays. I think we see Pittman's volume gradually Gradually shoot up, and I think he could easily be the top receiver on the rankings list this week uh, if he's able to succeed.
1: Yeah, especially with Rivers just being unable to hit the routes that you would imagine Hilton to be most successful with, mm-hmm. there has to be somebody in the middle of the field. And if there's not Campbell, and you're not using Hines as more of a receiver, then the only natural conclusion has to be
2: Pittman, or
1: you go to the tight end position, which mm-hmm. ended up being a, a yep. blossoming thing this past week, and we'll get to that a little mm-hmm. bit a little bit more well, in the show. But- the
2: other the other name I see on a lot of lists including uh yeah our own Kevin Payne chooses to profile Pascal over Pittman um sure you know he could end up be the guy that is more similar to a paris campbell but it in this type of bid especially when people are throwing 20 30 40 dollars on the running backs this week i'm taking a two three dollar bid for yes. pittman in terms of upside you know pascal seems like he's going to have a lot of uh a lot of those you know five catches 40 yard weeks yep. where pittman could possibly be a guy that can develop into a wide receiver three so i'm shooting upside here um and and hoping that i was right about a guy like him at the beginning of the year
1: yeah and that's that's a good point overall with how you're structuring your free agent um, targets, you have to go after the running backs. Everyone's going to be paying high for that. So you can kind of sneak a few more of these uh, wide receiver Mm -hmm. opportunities buy if if you're able to. And I think the biggest deal with Pittman is now the opportunity is very clear and present, like you mentioned. He had 39 offensive snaps in Week 1, now 67 in Week 2. Even if Pascal is a factor in the slot, just the, the mere presence of Pittman on the field mm-hmm. means he's going to have more opportunities to potentially do things. And I believe mm-hmm. the talent that, yeah. is going to prove well, that itself. Well,
2: then the T.Y. Hilton targets just haven't been there. I was thinking I almost pulled the trigger, and then, and then I yanked him at the end, but I almost uh, put Hilton in DFS lineups, you know, Given they were playing Minnesota this week, this past week, didn't really work out for Hilton. You know, partially game flow, partially he's just not getting looked at. So uh, yeah, so I'm so I'm going Pittman here, and I'm not really looking back. Hilton did drop what what very clearly looked like an obvious deep touchdown pass, and this kind of goes Ouch. back to McCoy as
1: well. He had five for twenty six uh, with the Buccaneers, but he should have touchdown catch. So maybe those numbers look a little bit different, but game script wise. Y- I think this is what the Colts would want to do. They want to win games where they're running the ball 40 times. And I think Jonathan Taylor, and you look at their matchup this week again, it it, it seems to favor that sort of thing. So uh, Devontae Adams, our Packers, right? He had a bit of a hamstring injury. He got hurt, was out of drive, then came back, looked completely fine, I thought. Mm -hmm. And then they took him out when they were up by the three scores against the Lions. I don't think it's serious. Uh, I would feel very confident if Adams was playing the Saints this week that you're going to be firing him up on all cylinders for defense purposes. But if he's out, I mean, Lazard, uh, which I'm su- surprised to see is under 50% owned in leagues, mm-hmm. Lazard's a guarantee. And I think Marquez filled scantling or MVS, as I'll call him the rest of the way, uh, at 36% owned, too. Stonehands might be a guy that you have to go ahead and pick up as well if if Adams is out.
2: I mean, remember there is a point where Devontae Adams dropped a couple of passes early in his career, you know, dropped a possible yes. game winner against yes. New Orleans, and everyone's like, Jordan, oh, okay. too. Yep. I mean, Rodgers tends to give these guys second chances, and they tend to not let him down more times than not. I'm not saying Valdez Scantling is that, but uh, regardless here, if you had Paris Campbell on your roster, right, and you miss your top couple of running backs, and you just need to pick up somebody after, you know, waivers process or put put in $0 bids to back these guys with, uh, both Lazard and Valdez Valdez Scantling should probably be owned. In a similar sense uh, to why you would own or would roster a player like uh, Tony Pollard because he, he, there's not a huge role now, but they're one break away from really making it and being a difference maker. Four targets for
1: Lazard in Week 1. He got the touchdown pass. He went four for four for 63 and a touchdown. Five targets in Week 2, and again, the game got kind of out of hand pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're going to see it this week, depending on where Lattimore matches up. Uh, it's possible that Lazard just gets shut down, which is fine. He's a really really talented guy. I mean, you look at week 4. Packers play the Falcons week 4 Monday Night Football. I mean, the over under for that probably it's 2 weeks out. 70 points, right, at, at minimum. I mean, mm-hmm. that's where you're looking at both Marquez, Velda, Scantling, or Lazard being almost guaranteed starts despite being uh, wide receiver twos and threes in the respective team. The matchup is going to be there. The point that you should be keeping out, though, they have a really early week five bye. That mm-hmm. might help when you're dropping players as well. Okay, I can just cut this guy right away. It goes back to your point. I'm not investing a huge uh, free agent budget on either one of those guys, mm-hmm. but I think you can absolutely start them in week four if you're trying to plan and yeah. project moving forward yeah
2: definitely sneak him in if you can
1: uh Nikhil harry 27 percent owned right now on yahoo uh 12 targets in that sunday night game which ended up being a really fun one mm-hmm. to watch eight for 72 newton threw 44 times the patriots are trailing yeah. early and often uh well except for that pick six to start the game i don't know you're not seeing newton throw 44 times again i think for the mm-hmm. patriots perspective and harry seemed to play through a concussion which is I don't know if we're supposed to mention or not, but maybe he shows up on the injury report this week, or the Patriots might be doing some funky things if that's the case. Uh, but either way, he look pretty yeah. impressive, well, uh, that all things and, and
2: that, and he had been dealing with a little bit of a shoulder injury coming into that. Um, no, I'm seeing Harry rank pretty highly on a lot of uh, lists like that. I mean, the Raiders, they're 16th against wide receivers, the Chiefs, then he's got the Broncos and then a bye. Um I think there will eventually be a passing of the guard in New England. If it's not early, um, it'll be later on. From Edelman to Harry being the top guy. I mean, I like Harry, I like Harry's upside a lot better than a guy like Demir Bird, for example. If you're just looking at the box scores, Bird had six catches for 72 yards. But no, Newton seems comfortable going to Harry, and that is plenty for me. Um, Harry and Edelman, there's plenty of uh, targets to go around in that situation because, you know, again, part of that. Might have to do with the tragic situation with James White not playing. He gets a lot of carries as the running back, usual
1: and targets. Yeah,
2: yeah, or targets. Yeah, that's kind of what I mean with the uh, wide receiver breakdown. So you know, Burke had got a little bit of that, but it wasn't quite the exact same level. You know, if they're trailing, White has a massive role here late in games. You know, as you know, just think back to that Atlanta Super Bowl, for example. Anyway, not to get too off track, Harry's is the number two wide receiver there with number one skill and potential. So. uh yeah, you definitely have to think about putting him on your ad list as well.
1: And you bring up the Raiders matchup this week. We just saw Kamara decimate them as a pass-catching running threat. Mm-hmm. If White's able to play, I don't know. Like, that's yeah. that's one of those things, you know, you point to the sky and see what happens. But I think um, James White would be a pretty crucial factor for the offense as opposed to just saying, hey, they're playing the Raiders. i got to go get Harry. I, I don't know if that necessarily mm-hmm. works for me. That's but fair. he is a wide receiver again, much like Alan Lazard or MVS. um, or even Michael Pittman and Zach Pascal, who you could probably sneak in without having to pay too much of your budget. Go ahead and acquire.
2: Yeah, absolutely superior to carrying dead weight on your bench.
1: Yes, uh, Russell Gage at, at this point is a for sure thing. He had twelve targets, or sorry, nine targets uh, last week. Uh, like if Julio Jones plays or not, doesn't really matter. The Falcons' defense is miserable. We know they have to uh, pass tarocious. often. Uh, this is going to be a scenario where Gage, I think, has value even as a wide receiver three behind your boy mm-hmm. Kelvin Ridley, behind my boy Julio Jones. Um, and especially if Julio Jones is out, it seems to be kind of limited with a yeah. hamstring injury right mm-hmm.
2: now. Yeah, it's our latest note on Julio said he's playing through a hamstring injury, right? And even if Julio Jones is on the field, we know he doesn't catch touchdowns at this point, right? So, uh, you know, while most of those are going to Ridley, there might still be some room to go to Gage, especially given how... Like you said, how atrocious that this defense is. They've got the Bears then the Packers and the Panthers and the Vikings. So it's a very – and then the Lions. Holy cow, this is a amazing stretch for possible Atlanta wide receivers here. Go out and get Russell Gage because he's, he's absolutely on this list. You know, I wasn't thinking about that because – I don't know. When I think of Nikhil Harry, I think okay, high, you know, high draft pick, high profile. Uh, you know, got the physical sc- skill sets of a wide receiver. When I think of Russell Gage, I don't quite see him in the same light. I, you know, I kind of see him as a, as a guy that. Uh, he's going to be third tier on his team no matter what, where Harry's higher. But now that I'm starting to talk through this argument, I could very much see a case being made for Russell Gage.
1: Well, this is the opportunity thing that you talked about, right? 50% mm-hmm. skill, 50% opportunity. Well, he's got like 90% opportunity right now with how bad the Falcons' defense are and how much they need to pass the ball. So regardless of the talent he has, he's the number three receiver on offense that's passing the ball the most in the NFL. Um, might even be more than Josh Allen. I guess I'm not certain that was, mm-hmm. without looking at the stats. Very clear to me that you have to go ahead and get Russell Gage. If he is not more than forty-five percent owned uh in Yahoo formats, there's something wrong. Uh like Lazard shouldn't be forty-seven percent. Gage needs to be higher as well. Uh I would have both Lazard and Gage higher than either Pascal or Michael Pittman, and I know you and I both love Pittman. But those guys, it's it's not even close. Those have to be more Mm -hmm. rostered.
2: Uh, Do some quick hitters because there are some guys in the thirty five percent rostered. You know that uh, that are worth the look. You know we mentioned Curtis Samuel above. He's twenty seven percent rostered. Jalen is still only thirty five percent rostered, which seems a little bit weird to me. I think that that could explode at any week now. And then Sammy Watkins is hurt. We always talk about this. Uh, Sammy Watkins has a concussion. You know we'll see what that means for his playing status in the immediate future but after Watkins went out uh Hardman got a little bit more involved in that drive uh in that game against the Chargers and Hardman after a couple quiet weeks is down to 36% rostered maybe even lower so he's someone that needs to be on the radar too
1: yeah I you know of that group I think very clearly I would rather still have the guys Lazard, Gage, everything else like that Hardman makes the most sense as an upside play but you were drafting him in rounds 9 and 10 for that same reason if you cut him now, you're just being over-anxious. This is exactly the type of play where mm-hmm. Hardman makes sense. But the Chiefs haven't really used him to that extent. Yeah, uh, And I get a little bit concerned when a guy does returner stuff. And then also gets asked to go ahead and be a receiver. Like, there's there's more injury risk when you are doing returner stuff like Hardman does. Yeah. And he's so good at it. I don't blame the Chiefs exactly. for it. Exactly.
2: I'm still not dropping Hardman, though, for Harry or probably even Gage, to be honest.
1: I think I'm taking Gage over Hardman because of that rundown, the matchups that you mm-hmm. mentioned for Gage in the weeks to come. Again, like that Packers, Falcons over under has to be at 70 at this point. I know we're two weeks out, but that that seems to be. Pretty promising. Look, switching gears to a different form of pass catchers at tight end position, a lot of that cropped up late. The guys that we might have been looking at, Jordan Reed, Mm -hmm. ended up being a huge factor with his two touchdowns. We really tried to emphasize Logan Thomas. He was a bit of a letdown if you need to use him uh, like I did. Uh, And then O.J. Howard, well, they turned back into a pumpkin, but... Gronk also is a pumpkin, too, right now. Like Gronk mm-hmm. is just about droppable in every sort, sort of Remember situation. Remember that
2: narrative about Bruce Arians just not using tight know. ends? <sighs> I, apparently, apparently that's holding true because he's got you know a high draft pick who's very skilled and one of the best tight ends of all time on, on his team. And, he, and even when a guy like Chris Godwin, who's a target monster, is out, he can't seem to find a way to use them.
1: Yeah. I mean, Kittle seems to be coming back, so maybe you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. There's um, Other than Austin Hooper, most of those top ten tight ends – have been doing what you kind of Mm -hmm. hope for. Um, uh, Boy, Tyler Higbee, for example, is one of those guys that's kind of broken out to what you were hoping for, Dallas Goddard, the Mm -hmm. week before. You might not need to have a tight end in a 12-team league if you do. Well, Wally Cox, the guy that got over 100 receiving yards this past week, uh, Mm -hmm. and we know Rivers loves to use tight ends. This is about as no-brainer as you get, and I think you can actually get them cheaper so long as Jack Doyle is out um, and Mm -hmm. Trey Burton as well, as long as those guys are out. This is a pretty guaranteed four for 60 yard performance, kind of guy that yeah. you don't find on the waiver wire tight end.
2: Yeah, Mo Alley Cox, he's, he's a very interesting situation. I, I serve as the college basketball editor at RotoWire, and I remember him getting rebounds for VCU. And, you know, what other former basketball player as Philip Rivers enjoyed? Going to frequently ooh, ooh, over over I got, his I career, I think Antonio Gates. One. Yeah, I think you got one. Um, but no, Mo Cox. Obviously, he played college football or college basketball for all those years, and is just getting into football. And now that he's had a couple years in the league to kind of get it together, learn what it is to be a tight end. I mean, he's got the he's got a big body that would be perfect for blocking, right? So a lot of people kind of wrote him off as just a blocker. But as he starts to learn the game, you know Mario. Our Mario Puig has a couple good threads about him on Twitter. As he starts to learn the game more, he becomes very, very much a jump ball option. And if the hands are good, and and we can believe it, uh, he could be a factor after Doyle comes back.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, and and again, if you are in need of tight end, you might not. I mean, that's the, that's the unfortunate problem. If you're in the antenna, it makes complete sense. There is another guy, Dalton Schultz, uh, You breaking my heart with this Blake Jarwin injury. But mm-hmm. Schultz has stepped up and been the key to a target. Now, Cowboys were trailing the whole game, and they had to pass a bunch. Yep. He got 10 targets, nine of which he turned into 88 yards and a touchdown. It's possible you can see Schultz's production and be like, hey, this is the guy that I thought Jarwin was going to be. I'm I'm pumping the brakes on that. There's a lot of other quality pickups, whether it be at running back or wide receiver, and even Molly Mo, like Cox as well, uh, and Jordan Reed too, if Kittle were to be out for this mm-hmm. second consecutive week. I like all those guys instead because I just don't think the Cowboys are going to have to pass as much mm-hmm. as they did. And they're, the middle of the field won't be as susceptible against the
2: Seahawks yeah. as it was the Falcons. Well, okay, so I think the Cowboys are actually going to have to continue to throw a whole lot to uh, to stay in some of these games because that defense is, is looking a little shaky, especially early And the leighton Vander thing thing's really going to hurt them. But here's what I think the deal is, the unsung factor. I think I pulled this off a Reddit thread, so credit to the guys who uh, were posting that. Um, okay, Tyrone Smith was out for the Cowboys. Their offensive line is a little bit weaker than what it's used to be, and Dak pressure. Prescott is getting tons of heat so that means in those situations Gallup's hardly been targeted and Gallup's the wide receiver that works downfield all the time right so that means if, if Prescott's forced to get rid of the ball earlier before some of the larger downfield routes can develop like he'd like that means a lot more targets you're seeing go to CeeDee Lamb and of course then you're seeing a lot more go to a guy like Dalton Schultz um, you know we were pretty lukewarm on him at the start of last week uh, of course he had a good game but I am willing to let somebody else overpay for him a little little bit this week as opposed to putting a double-digit bid on him myself
1: Prescott threw for 47 times so yes I agree with you the Cowboys are gonna to have to mm-hmm. throw because the defense isn't very good They're not going to throw forty-seven times. I just don't. I don't see that Mm -hmm. happening. More like thirty-five times. So if they cut down twelve attempts, how many of those are from Schultz? And I think it's probably four or five. So yes, he's still a guy that's going to get four or five targets. There's Mm -hmm. a reason why people are so excited about Jimmy Graham last week because
2: he was getting targets, and we all know what Jimmy Graham is. So and well, and Gallup's not toast, right? No, like Gallup. Some people might be thinking, oh, maybe it's time to drop Gallup. He's just not getting the targets. Uh, That would be a that would be a huge huge mistake if that if that thought is crossed your mind here like i said as the line improves he'll go downfield more and some of those schultz targets will go to a guy like well i
1: think even cd lamb's gonna
2: get better with those over the the middle targets it's it's why i wasn't targeting cd because i
1: thought blake jarwin was gonna do that thing well jarwin's now out i think lamb really becomes the biggest beneficiary of that injury um so i get it nine for 88 and touchdown wow it's great not gonna happen against the seahawks Dial it down, Mo Ali Mm -hmm. Cox, certainly Jordan Reed as well. If Kittle is out for a second consecutive week, I'd rather go that direction.
2: Jordan Reed to me is – he's the biggest trap out of this group, right? Because Kittle could very well come back in week three, number one. And number two, even if you get one more week out of Reed, like – He's always been just an injury. Man. I think he I think you get Reed
1: for basically nothing because everyone's going to have that same mm-hmm. thought. And See, you only I, pick up Reed yeah. if Kittle's out.
2: I think there's going to be one person in leagues that you know has a tight end situation that is going to spend too much money on Reed. And I don't know. You know, may, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm underestimating some of my league mates. Let me introduce you
1: to new Antonio Gates, Mo Cox, then because I think exactly. that's a very clear pickup. Drew Sample, mm-hmm. uh, one last tight end option. Nine targets against the Browns. Uh, CJ yeah, Uzomo uh, is going to be out for. A while, I think.
2: You think he had a pretty serious injury? I'm looking at him right now. He's actually on the IR with an Achilles injury. So you're looking, he is out for the season with a torn right Achilles. uh, Sample's the guy there. Um, Rookie
1: quarterbacks and tight ends. I get it. Yep, yeah, I, maybe. I understand the connection. I mean,
2: Tyler Boyd's still, I think he's the number one target to be had there. AJ Green is getting a ton of volume, but if he keeps not doing anything with it, then who knows how long the tag can continue. And, of course, they can throw to the backs, too. I don't get crazy excited about True Sample, especially when some of these other players are out there. But it's just a he's on the league. radar because you. Uh, I've seen more and more this year some two tight end leagues just trying to get We're, creative. Sure. So,
1: There's a lot of people like Dan Arnold, the tight end for the Cardinals, for the same type of thing. I think Sample... Could make sense for that mm-hmm. perspective. When I say Dan yeah. Arnold, you're like, who? Yeah, like a top thirty for,
2: for the Texans. Yeah, or Danny, right? yeah. Yep. Yeah, we talked about him week one. Akins Aikens Aikens, good. Yeah, he's actually running a lot of the yeah. routes there. So uh um especially if uh I mean I took a big zero from Will Fuller in one league this week and it <laughs> yeah. seems like they went to the tight ends a little bit more. Maybe Akins throws into that that discussion here as well. But uh just because we talked about him last week, we kind of want to talk about the new blood a little bit.
1: We're uh, we're an hour and ten minutes into this podcast, and I haven't even let you have your video victory lap. You won our Culver's board bet and made sure to rub it in my face before the podcast walking in with Culver's. You had the Buccaneers defense outscoring my Packers defense. I thought I got so sneaky when we yep. had the interception return for a touchdown against the Lions. I felt so mm-hmm. good about it. And then I look over and the Buccaneers had like four sacks, five turnovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they went nuts and the Panthers yeah. did Panther stuff.
2: I thought I was immediately toast as soon as I Obviously I was celebrating the Packers touchdown, but I thought I was immediately toast as soon as he got into the end zone there and I'm thinking again here I am going to lose another one of these stupid board bets when he he was just as easily could have fallen down at the one yard line when he watched it when he lost his footing and it's like okay another one of these stupid bets is going to come down to you know like eight inches but the Bucks came through for me and the Bucks are 50% owned. Uh, when I checked Monday night, they yeah. might be a little bit higher rostered a little bit uh, now, but they've got a beautiful stretch ahead. They have Jeff, Jeff Driscoll this week. Then the following week is either Taylor or Herbert and then Mitch Trubisky. So you've got, you know, just three weeks of, quarterbacks that are either young inexperienced or, or just bad ball or love turning the ball over or all of the, yeah, or all the above. So uh, Tampa Bay needs to stay on the roster uh, for the foreseeable future, especially if you're a defense streamer, you don't need to worry about streaming your defense this week.
1: Yeah. No, I think I think that's the definitely correct call. And honestly, they are kind of a pretty high pickup for me, but I'm in a league or I'm in a lot of leagues that haven't had major injury concerns. All those running backs, a few of those wide receivers, Molly Cox are all names I'd much rather have than the Buccaneers defense. But I do want to reinforce again, Buccaneers defense, the schedule they have coming up is certainly the one that you want to target. Uh, other examples, possibly for streaming options, Cardinals against the Lions. I had the Packers last week. The mm-hmm. Cardinals' defense looks better than we've seen in past weeks. They are 2-0 and yeah. for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, actually, Stafford and company can move the ball well enough if yeah. they decide to give less Peterson carries to mm-hmm. uh, carry on, and DeAndre Swift, that's and for then, the better.
2: And then the other factor you know. is Kenny Galladay. Could probably return. coming back this week i think we'll have to wait and see on that uh, the one that i actually like better than arizona is the indianapolis colts they're only 47 percent rostered they have a home game against the jets the jets are banged up they are injured uh adam case is their coach yeah. they're they're uh, they just have everything counting against them this year and uh they're laughing stock so i'd go ahead and, and take the colts is probably the number two streaming option after Tampa Bay i don't think
1: i would you know you're not you're, i don't think you're gonna have to do this but i actually would rather have the Giants' defense against whatever the second-string version of the 49ers is than um, the Cardinals' defense against the Lions. And I know I would rather have the Titans' defense against the Vikings and their first-string
2: offense. Uh, right now, too. So, but Cousins I mean, had just like a record low quarterback rating right. against against the uh, against the Colts here. Yeah. So maybe it's the Colts defense. Also, probably a lot of Cousins. Yeah.
1: So all in on the Buccaneers. I also am fine with your Colts coi- uh, Colts choice as the number two streaming defense. But there are other options if you have to go that direction for mm-hmm. a couple of weeks. All right. Well, that does it for us. I know right. it's a pretty long podcast here, but there's a lot of injuries. I mean, there's a lot of things. And certainly, if you have questions, have roster concerns, we've been answering Twitter questions all week i anticipate that's going to continue uh you can follow me at jb fantasy sports you can get jake at roto jake as well uh and you know any other roster questions certainly feel free to reach out we'll try to answer them as best we can
2: all right rock on it's been a fun one i mean this is one of the most loaded waiver wire podcasts i think i've ever done in five years hopefully hopefully
1: we won't have this type of depth in future weeks because that means less guys are hurt but uh
2: it is 40 minutes next week guys let's go (laughs)